0: Welcome to Revere Asset Management's Your Money, with Danny Stewart. The market will
1: always overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And Don Vandenborg.
0: Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep.
1: Happy Leap Year, everyone. Happy 29th. Does Leap Day actually have a name? Do they call that Happy Leap Day or they call that Happy Leap Year Day? I, I want to know what is the 29th, and um, leap, do you know what? Day. It's leap day. Leap day. All right, I I didn't know that, Don. I've never been told that. I just I didn't know. I just always heard it called that, leap year That large year.
0: brain of yours, Dan, and you didn't have that in there. Wow. Well, that's
1: I guess that's immaterial, trivial knowledge that I don't need. But but here's something you do need to know, Don. Do you know what flation is? Vibeflation. Vibe flation vibe like i got a vibe vibe flation so are are you are are your vibes lying to you and are you an idiot for trusting your feelings is your perception lying or 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 are you being lied to we're going to talk about that. I got a great article in the Mailbag. Actually, two articles in the Mailbag that I'm actually going to dissect a little bit. Um and Morgan Stanley is considering a spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh I think they missed the boat. That ship is set sail. It's going to be hard to collect assets now that you got a three or four big players already in the game. <clears throat> also, 401ks, they need an advisor. You got three components of a 401k: third party administrator, the glorified bean counter, the accountant. You got the custodian, the brokerage house or insurance company that holds the assets. And then you have the advisor. You need all three three of those. Sometimes they wrap those together. And of course, the trustees of the plan which usually the owners or the uh, senior management are the mother of all fiduciaries. They can't get out from being a fiduciary. I put an article in the Mailbag about that. You can look at that because they're talking about liabilities and bankruptcies. I talked about that a few weeks ago, but, you know, how safe is your 401k? Um, Then modern monetary theory, MMT. Is it getting laughed at and destroyed and scorned? And is Paul Krugman trying to defend his honor, his reputation? He's telling you inflation is coming down. That's a big lie. The rate of change, the rate of inflation is declining. The correct economic term for this Nobel Prize winning, I was going to use another word, economist, is he said that inflation is it's called disinflation. So we're still having inflation. Infl- inflation is still rising, just at a much slower rate. It's slowed down. That's called disinflation. Anyway, he is now trying to ridicule, ridicule people who think that the economy is bad because they feel that way, a.k.a. vibeflation. He also thinks people overestimate inflation in their mind, calling it, vibeflation. Yes, Paul, people feel that way because they have to dig down deep into their pockets when they have to pay for groceries. And again, most most companies are actually slowing down or struggling a little bit. It's really the government spending and the big magnificent eight or actually about 10 or 12 stocks. I've talked about that at nauseum that's keeping the economy th- that's making it positive, but I, I digress. I'm not going to go into that. Um, so really what Paul is saying is don't trust your instincts, your perception prices really haven't risen that much. And it wasn't due to the money printing. <laughs> okay, okay, Paul, whatever. All right. Anyway, let's go to the mailbag first. Cause that's going to kind of set the table. I got two different mailbags, um, uh, from the same, I got a few others, but these, these are the big ones. Um, and it's from the same person. <clears throat> and he sent me this New York Times article by Paul Krugman. I did not put that in the mailbag because I don't subscribe to the New York Times. Uh, it's a rag for various reasons, but I just don't like it. Um, but he's writing this op-ed. And it and, and basically, this article highlights the problem with our country and fiat currency and, and the those in power. Okay, so... Basically, he just sent me the article with no comment. I think he kind of did that to needle me because he knows how I feel about Krugman. But anyway, um, and I'm going to go over this article in just one second, but I'm going to, uh, yes, I think I will give my opinion first. My personal opinion, along with many serious economists, are that Krugman is a clown. He is now defending this massive printing that caused inflation, saying it isn't that bad as of recent. When he says inflation is declining or slowing, it means the rate of inflation is slowing, not that prices are actually dropping. Uh, uh, inflation is pro- approximately 10 to 15% higher, depending on the item. Food is actually over 20% uh, since um, three years ago. Um, and he, remember, Krugman is the guy that was uh, pushing MMT, Modern Monetary Theory. Modern Monetary Theory really says that you can print as much money as you want without any negative consequences. You just stick it in the system. It, wasn't, it wasn't, uh, won't cause any problems. In fact, during the Great Recession 2008, he said the money printing wasn't nearly large enough. And and but because of covid in this new round of printing, this massive inflation caused massive inflation and modern monetary theory quickly lost all street street cred. And it's being laughed at. It's nobody buys it anymore. And so now he's trying to defend his legacy Uh, regarding and I'll get to the article in a second regarding the CPI numbers and BLS. They can manipulate the baskets to, to, to well, the way they count things to make inflation look a little bit lower than it really is. And they understate inflation, in my opinion. But don't trust me. You could just go to the, the grocery store and look at prices yourself. Now, in the article, Paul Krugman says, well, you know, I, I, don't sh- you know, I went shopping and I don't really shop that much, but, but I, I guess they've gone up some. Really? Just talk to someone that shops every week. My wife can tell you, man, prices are going way up. I can tell you that. I shop enough. All right. Anyway, another article on 227. And this is John. And
0: Dan, and you can't, you can't move on from Paul Krugman without his most famous quote.
1: Oh, 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 yeah. Well, I was saving that? But, in okay. 90, all
0: right. In 90, all right good. Oh, you're saving go it? All no, right, no, go ahead. No, no,
1: go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I like it. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh,
0: it. it was uh, by 2005. It will. That the internet will have no more impact on society than the fax machine.
1: Wow, he was absolutely right. I wonder what he thinks about AI. Absolutely right. Yeah, (laughs) right on. Head on. All right. Now. Uh, another article that this guy sent, and I did put this in the show notes because John Malden is a, is a, actually a legitimate economist, and he's he's good. He's actually here in Dallas doing some of it, but he's got a newsletter, and I put it's called Thoughts from the Front Line. It's it's pretty deep. You got to be pretty heady economist, but but any Mike will love it. But but anyway, it's called Thoughts from the Front I put it in there, and uh, this is my answer to this article. In my opinion, John Malden in his newsletter today drives home. The point, now this is a fundamental guy, folks, fundamental guy. He doesn't necessarily use technicals unless he really, I mean, he uses them some, but unless he really needs them. Drives home the point that technical stock trading based on charts should be the primary driver of stock market investment decisions at this point. There are so many, quote, so many cross currents in the market and the economy you can't assume that x will always lead to y because it always did in the past uh this is this is the quote that uh out of the article of me i couldn't agree more i've been saying this as much on the podcast for a few months now until valuations normalize whether that be through price compression that's a fancy wall street term for a big drop in prices or the economy heats up And the fundamentals improve. That's a fancy term for increased revenues and income. So they grow into those numbers. Um, Catch up to these stock prices. Uh, This will definitely make the mail back. Thanks for sending. And then I put a note, John Mullen is a great economist. We had him on the show many times with my old show with Dan Kofal. He is working for a private uh, equity oil and gas firm. Uh, here in Dallas now, in addition to writing his blog. But it's a great article. Now, I'm going to go over these two articles very quick. I'm going to try not to drive the show to the halt. I'm going to keep it very quick. By the way, there is another article on the 401ks, and there's an article on charitable. They're thinking about rejiggering the the rules on what classifies a charitable uh, these charitable funds that you can give. And the problem with that is it, it, it's a lot, of, a lot of bookkeeping and accounting and re, uh, regulatory requirements, and it's going to cut out a lot of small charities because they're not going to be able to afford it. It's only going to be beneficial to the big, big charities. That tells me the lobbyist wrote it. Anyway, all right, let's go to Paul Krugman. Can you, here's the title of his op-ed opinion piece. Can you really remember how much grocery prices were three years ago? Yes, I can. I also remember gas was like a buck 50. Paul. Okay. I'm going to go over this very quickly. Whenever I write about falling inflation comments that grocery prices have doubled under President Biden's and they're still soaring, they have not and they aren't. Okay. He said groceries home construction and groceries for home consumption rose 19.6% between January 2021 and 2023 and another 1.2% the following year. So they're up about 21%. Okay. Yes, grocery prices are up a lot, but not nearly as much as people claim. I never claimed that. I said they're up about 20%. Actually, I sandbag a little bit. They're like 22. OK, uh, I should have expected a, uh, immense vitriol blowback uh, from yours truly and denunciations of the BLS uh, predictions, of easy money and runaway uh, would easy money would cause runaway. Inflation has been wrong. You don't think 22 percent inflation is high. Paul um, uh, and insisted uh, instead that the government is cooking the books. Well, they're doing that, too, Paul. They're doing both. Um Um, We've heard a lot about vibe session, and many people insist the economy must be in bad shape because it feels that way. Vibeflation is when people uh, take the actual inflation we're experiencing and then making it higher in their mind. That's basically what he's saying. Paul, here's the problem. They feel that way. Credit card debt is it almost at record levels. People are being pinched. If you're not part of those big big tech companies, and there are a lot of companies that are struggling, and a lot of parts of the economy that that are in trouble. Okay. And by the way, the CPI. Remember the uh, uh, manipulating the number. They actually love to quote uh, CPI x food and energy right? I don't know about you, but I eat and I drive every day. So those are two of the biggest components of my inflation index. Why would you take those out? Oh, can we add cost of college in there? My youngest daughter's still in college. That's going up twenty, eight, ten, twelve 10, 12% a year. Anyway. Okay. Um, he goes on and he starts talking about the official data, how you calculated, But he had a uh he said um this roller coaster ride had nothing to do with uh biden economics it's all about the avian flu so he's trying to uh uh blame it on covid and he basically is saying don't trust your feelings paul i'm not trusting my feelings i'm trusting the numbers the numbers say inflation's up 22% in the last 3 years that sucks paul People are feeling it. Yes, people got raises. You mentioned that in the article. You didn't mention they got raises. twenty, They didn't get raises 20%, maybe 3 or 4%. They're not getting raises 20%. So, Paul, you're wrong. All right. This is thoughts from the front line, and it says the good news, bad news. Now, this is a, a very uh, a good article. And he's talking about the science of economics, and he talks about you got to be careful because you have a lag effect. Now, I'm going to just go through the highlights. No imminent danger. Start with the good news. Statistical vital signs are, if not healthy, at least stable. Okay? Uh, COVID obviously distorted the 2020, the 2020 numbers. Things got a little choppy. Um, um, our GDP is doing well against other large economies. Our labor market looks fairly healthy. Our consumer spending, now, so those are the good parts. Consumer spending is kind of the biggest, uh, is also okay. The biggest sore spot, inflation. And he starts talking about annual inflation. And he did say that inflation is coming down. Now, his little summary paragraph, manufacturing in decline for over a year, factory construction up 75% over the last year. That couldn't be because of the huge infrastructure bill and government spending, could it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Unemployment, well below 4%. Labor force uh, participation, still dramatic, dramatically lower than it used to be. That's one reason for the high, uh, low unemployment uh, rate. But that also makes sense, folks. Not only do they lower the participation rate to manipulate the, the, so they can report good job numbers. Also, with the baby boomers retiring, there are less people that are actively in the workforce so the participation rate is a combination of them sandbagging a little bit but also more people are retiring and coming out of the workforce so the participation rate is actually declining some okay uh trade def our trade deficit down that is good total global trade levels down that is not good japan economy better in many ways china economy worse in many ways Said this for a year, folks. China's in trouble. Housing prices have not collapsed at all. Housing sales volume totally collapsed because people can't afford the higher mortgage and interest rates. Other people like me don't want to move because then I got to, what am I going to do? Now I got a, a really high new mortgage at 10% or 8 or whatever instead of being at 2.7, 25 Okay. Uh, housing supply, uh, housing demand not collapsed. Housing supply. Collapsed, tight supply is one of the reasons. Uh, core uh, core goods inflation gone, core service inflation not gone. He goes, I can go on, but this is the tail of the tape, Don. I think he's been watching our show uh, of the economic data. Uh, if you look, it's it's basically he's saying you're you're getting a mixed bag. Now, he is talking about the GDP growth, the dependency ratio. I'm going to skip through that. Um, He said that, see, he uses the correct word. He causes it disinflation because he's an economist that didn't win the Nobel Prize but knows what he's talking about. Um, Disinflation, we are seeing uh, in goods. uh, That's great for furniture and clothing cost uh, less, uh, but not so much for rent. And you got rent every month. And so is food and health care. That's what I'm talking about. They count the basket. They ain't counting my basket. My basket's going up higher than their inflation rate. Okay? Frustrating data. This is key. Most frustrating to me personally is the inverted yield curve. He said, this, you, this was my go-to recession indicator for decades, and is one reason I expected a recession in 2023. You have to go back to the 80s to find a yield curve more inverted, yet we see no recession. I pointed out numerous times an inverted yield curve doesn't cause a recession like a fever. It simply indicates that something is wrong. Folks, remember I said this a while ago. Of the last 10 recessions, the the yield curve was inverted seven, to, uh, uh, seven times. So the, the yield curve predicted uh, seven of those 10 recessions, but not all of them. However, there was a liquidity event. Liquidity got tight So volumes dried up, you got an inorderly market 10 out of 10 times. So when you see the markets freezing up, that's even more important than the yield curve. Okay, now the next chart, federal tax receipts have plummeted. That's typically associated with a recession. Let me ask you folks, if the economy is still doing pretty healthy, going along pretty well, and it was broad, meaning across the board, not just the big seven, magnificent seven or the big 10, whatever. Why would tax receipts be going down? And he used the word plummeting. They are going down quickly. That's not a that's, good sign. That's not, where, where did you get that from? This is,
0: they, just, uh, they, they just changed the number of bonds that they're releasing, that they're having to sell because tax receipts were above normal, above uh, expectations. I,
1: well, that may be that we'll look at that. That may be seasonality. That may be seasonal because right now they're taking it. People are paying their taxes. In other words, it's the tax rates. I think he's talking about annually, but I'll have to look at that. But I'm looking, he's got a Fed chart right here. I'm looking at okay. the Fed I mean, I chart. I have another
0: follow-up. Some Somebody uh, reached out to me and said, and I don't know if they have this right or not, that you, on last week's show that of all the jobs that were added, uh, it was like eight to one government jobs versus private sector jobs. Is that?
1: Do oh yeah, yeah. No, no. It's most of the job growth was private. So that I mean, public sector. That's one of the problems. Listen, Cofall came up with the. My old partner came up with the Cofall curve, where he said one a government job is not equal to a private sector job. Why is that? Because right. it takes five to eight private sector jobs, tax receipts, me making money, paying taxes, and it obviously depends on the level of income for everybody, but it takes approximately five to seven, eight people paying taxes in the private sector to cover the salary of one government employee. So as government, as private sector, do you have
0: a link to that? Can you, can you put a link to that in the show notes today that, um,
1: I will find, well, there's a link to his article. I'll have to look at, I've got the Fed, the Fed government. I may be able to insert that. I'll have to see if I can find this exact link. But it is under the Employment Source Fred uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics Study. What is, I'm trying to look at this. Federal Government Current Tax Receipts. Yeah, this is a government federal current tax receipts. That's what I'm looking at.
0: I, I also have to point out, Dan, your the addition you made about uh, four minutes ago to the English uh, language dramatically.
1: Oh, that that's a, my new snigling. Uh, that that's word? my new yeah, yeah dram- so dramatically. Uh,
0: dramatically, yeah, dramatically dram- and drastically combined equals dramatically. I like Dramastic- that job, I like.
1: Thank you. I'll have to remember that. Um, I can't remember the one. My daughter came up with a hysterical one. I have to remember it. Oh, Tim's Dad,
0: classic it. was extrogenous. Don't forget That's that. That's right. <laughs> right, right,
1: All right. Extraneous
0: now. and exogenous equals extrogenous.
1: Yep. All right. Here, though, is his gold nuggets in there. So here he gives all the um, economic data, the fundamental data now he's talking about in the stock market, more stocks are down than up in the advanced decline measures. A few big names account for most of the growth, while many companies see mediocre gains. And then he talks about NVIDIA, and he said, is NVIDIA really worth more than the entire S&P energy sector? Uh, He says, valuations are nowhere near normal. And he goes, so then he said, seeing Palo Alto get taken to the woodshed uh, behind declining sales and lower than expected cybersecurity spending in 2024 guidance makes me wonder. He said, um, a company that drops 25% uh, in stock price because they decided corporate tech orders would be 2% less than expected is not dealing with disappointing guidance. They are dealing with overvaluation. Good point. Um, what will happen to the rest of the market? Question mark. At some point, I expect the answer will be uh, yes. But will the mark? But the market can stay overvalued for a long time until we see reevaluation across the board. Remember, the 1990 tech bubble burst wasn't caused by a recession. Anyway, there's many cross currents. It's a great article. Um, um, you, you, you definitely want to read it. Uh, I think I think it's a really good article, but the main takeaway, because this guy, I've known this guy for decades, he's always been a fundamental investor. And right now, except for a few times when markets got really overvalued, this is one of those, that's what I'm saying. He's saying, look, right now the market's kind of scary. You need a sell discipline. He also in the article did take on the AI thing uh, saying, look, it, it may be productivity gains may help. He said, but that kind of reminds him of the internet days. That's the same thing I told you. We'll just have to see. But the point is, how are you going to handle the markets right now? Um, so anyway. Uh, hey, Dan. Yes.
0: I've got another, I've got another, uh, for the people that are saying the U.S. market is just being bit up by a few stocks. You ready for this data point?
1: Sure. Sure.
0: Of the world's 12 largest equity markets. Okay. The largest. Stock exchanges across the world. The U.S. is second from lowest in the in the amount of uh, concentration of the ten largest stocks across the other stock exchanges.
1: So only Japan
0: si- being lower.
1: So you're saying so the ten
0: the ten largest? Yeah, the ten largest make up twenty five percent, but that is the second lowest level of concentration among the ten largest stocks in the in the uh, across exchanges.
1: Let me put world. my Don interpreter on uh, for the for the for the layman. What Don's saying is, even though you've heard about how overly concentrated our market is in just six or seven or eight stocks, like Nvidia right now, their market cap is bigger than almost every country's GDP. Think about that. One company, okay. But in our in our in our in our stock exchange, basically, Don's saying that these big companies make up 25 of our total stock market. But in these other countries, a few stock can make up 40, 50 percent of their stock, but pretty much a few stocks are their whole stock market. Is that fair, fair assessment?
0: Yep. OK, I retweeted that last night, if anybody wants to see the chart.
1: Yeah. And, and, and by the way, folks, so what does that tell you when investing overseas? You're not as diversified as you think. One or two stocks. Yeah, one or two stocks over there will cause that whole index to crater or go up, rise. So you really need to focus on one or two or three stocks in all of these other countries, especially the emerging markets. Anyway, I digress. All right, so in a nutshell, uh, yes, Paul, most people feel that way because they have to dig deep. Inflation is still rising, and for a great majority of the people, things are kind of tough. Their bills have gone way up. Their their, uh, salaries have not kept up with pace, and now they're struggling. That's the bottom line. They feel it, and you're telling them they're wrong. Paul, go jump in the lake. Okay, so now, so now. Here's what I want to know, and I'm going to turn this over to De- so we keep hearing about this. We keep hearing about this na- narrow market. There's only a few stocks and a few things in Bitcoin. So, what to invest now? Do you just do Bitcoin and the Mag 7, the Magnificent 7? Well, for that, we're going to go to Don Ho- Quixote and his squires, Teddy Bull and Canon Connor. I liked Canon Bates, but The team liked Connor Cannon. I want the listeners to write in and tell me what's a good nickname for Connor. We got a good one for Teddy Bull. But Connor, we need a good one for him because I will be out of town next week. I want to put this in there before we forget. We most likely will do an abbreviated version of the show. It's going to be a dive deep market. But Don may actually... Have the guys go over there? they're starting their portfolios, and they're doing their own portfolios within our rule parameters. And they have, and we've been tracking them, and they have been doing absolutely, they've been just knocking lights out. I mean, really nailing it, both of them. So we may uh, do that. So, so far we have uh, uh, bullish baits, but we already got teddy bulls, so that was out. We got the condor. Because you're flying it at 10,000 feet, just looking for your next prey, your next stock or ETF. And we got Cannon Connor or Connor the Cannon. We want to know what you think. But right now, let's go to the markets and Don Ho. Don, what are the markets telling us we need to do heading into next week? Are we finally hitting a top? I love it when I say that he hates it. He, oh, I don't know. Don't
0: you yeah. oh, geez, <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm not. Never going to say that. Uh, three words, and it's the same three words that I've been saying for weeks, months. Ride the wave when you uh, when you're surfing. I mean, there's parallels made all the time between trading and surfing. Uh, for people that like to stick with the market trend. And when you get on a wave, you never know how good it's gonna be, how long it's gonna go. Uh, But we've just been riding this wave. And you know, that's the reason our flagship portfolio is named Grotection is because we grow assets in uptrends and protect assets in downtrends. And we've got a bunch of rules that we've developed over the years, and it's gonna keep us in when the market's going higher literally rules to keep us in no matter what our opinion is and literally rules to get us the heck out no matter what our opinion is uh, when the technicals of the market deteriorate. And uh, as far as things go recently, we had a this latest inflection point was a gap up in the market spurred by NVIDIA's earnings last Wednesday after the close that lit a fire under the entire, uh, AI related hardware, software and chip sector. And tech is such a big uh, portion of uh, the US exchange that uh, it led to a gap up in the S&P 500. And then all we've been doing since then, waiting for a big inflation data report this morning, is we had a gentle pullback. We stopped pulling back right where we needed to. We had another gap up this morning. This, This gap up is fading a bit. So it's definitely something that we need to keep an eye on. Uh, but the inflection point, the low of the gap up day last Thursday uh, in NVIDIA and in the indexes, there's the S&P 500. I'll also show uh, the NASDAQ 100. That, le- that level has held all of them. And we're also seeing uh, some outperformance in small caps and mid caps relative uh, to what's going on since that gap up. Uh, last Wednesday, Thursday. So as long as, as, until those levels break, it's back to the saying that more money has been lost, uh, worrying about a market correction than in the correction itself. So we just, every day, uh, we raise our stops in-house. We discuss it in our, in the morning call. And um, as we add new positions, that puts more risk on, but we've got stops in all of those as well. Every time we add to something, that raises our risk level too. But uh, as the stops are gradually raised, that offsets that. And um, I put a chart out. uh, We track our balance at risk, which is the profits we've made since this follow-through day minus the open risk. And we keep making new highs on that all throughout um, the month of February. So that's a, a just the, following the rules that, you know, if we break the 21-day moving average, we haven't in 30-plus days. 79 out of 80 days we've been above the 21-day moving average on P500, uh, going all the way back to November 2nd when we first gapped up. This is a long bull run. It was long back when it was 50 days, when it was 60 days, when it was 70 days. Now it's 80 days. Uh, so we'll uh, continue to monitor that, and uh, our stops will take us out of the market. It won't be our opinion. That takes us out. And this morning we've got four uh, either leading names that have been basing or uh, current leading names that are up between 16 and 18, 24%. Uh, So that says the market still has a risk appetite. When big gaps up like that happen in a weak market, they get sold. And that's that's not what's happening. Leading stocks have been outperforming the indexes. And those are all the signs that we look for. Uh, in a bullish trend we have it and until we don't have it we're we're sticking with uh the uptrend
1: okay so until proven otherwise uh we're in now so yeah the quote is more people have lost money avoiding the next bear market than the bear market itself um let me ask you a quick question because i know the listeners would be interested in hearing this i know we brought this up before but we get new listeners all the time we've got a big audience um um you talk about all the rules, the buy and the sell rules. What do you think? I know my opinion. I don't want to prejudice you. What do you think is the hardest thing to do? Is it to sell, whether it's offensive selling or defensive selling, or is it buying, or is it sitting on your hands in between the buy and the sell? What what, what are the What do you think the hardest part of? And I know it's it's a tough answer, but what's the yeah, it's
0: sp- it's manage, managing the positions that that you take knowing uh, how big a size when something really takes off to the upside you always wish you had uh, a bigger position when something gaps down you always wish you had a smaller position but managing uh you know the rules can get you into a stock it's how you manage it how you keep to your losses are are your losses too tight that'll keep you from uh taking part in the upside if something happens. I've gotten stopped in several stocks this year that just turned around and went higher, most recently ELF. Uh, But it's part of the numbers, the overall numbers, the statistics that go into uh, how many trades do you have? How much is your average winner? How much is your average loser? And how much do you make? uh when you're in versus and then of course you got to compare it to the overall market because if you're doing all this work and not outperforming the overall market you might as well just buy the s p 500 and get out of the way so we know from the numbers historically that buying growth stocks in a healthy uptrend is the strongest way to uh make money in the market and then locking those profits in when the market tenor changes from positive to either sideways or negative uh, and just sticking with those those rules is uh, the the best way to go. And Dan, anytime you hear somebody from Wall Street saying you can't time the market, they are, they are riddled with conflicts of interest. They don't get paid unless you stay into their products. We know from history that the average leading stock, once they top, they drop 72%. That's part of, and that trickles for into the indexes as well. Uh, if stocks are dropping like a rock like that, it's going to be reflected in the indexes because 75% of stocks are going to do what the overall market index does. The market indexes have been in an uptrend, and and leading stocks have been very plentiful. They don't all work. Uh, when they don't work, you cut your loss quickly and move on to the next name or add to an existing name that you have. Uh, but that's. That's, uh, and it's the sleep at night factor too, you know, or pie chart, people aren't going to be able to tell the people that, and when I say pie chart, I mean, buy and hold all in all the time when their clients call up, they can't tell them, yes, you're up, uh, 15% this year. And you know, if the market goes into a bear market, you'll, you'll only lose a certain percent of that. You'll be fine. No, they have no idea how low it's going to go. If, uh, we turn into a bear market because they don't ever sell. So, right.
1: Right. Right. We, uh,
0: we, um, if there's ebbs and flows in the market, there's times when the market is absolutely healthy and the wind is at your back, and there's times when the wind is absolutely in your face. And we've got trend indicators that tell us that we follow the market across three time frames: short term, medium term, long. Detail it every night in a video, and if there's any changes, what what portfolio changes we're making, where our stops are, what we get stopped out on, um. We're not, we're not, we don't have a crystal ball here. They don't always work, but we'll talk about them when they don't work. And we'll talk about what does work too.
1: No, oh, yeah, you get to see everything, warts and all. No, no, we're the most transparent advisor that I know of. Um, I'm not aware of anybody that's putting out as much content of what we're actually doing as we do. One comment I want to make, though, because, you know, you were talking about beating the market or doing any of that stuff. It, 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 folks, it's not about absolute return. It's about risk-adjusted return. So even if I'm matching the market or even slightly behind the market, but I didn't draw, go down 30% or 35% or 40% with the market— so I didn't get scared to death and scared out of my strategy because even if you say you're, you're really aggressive, if the market drops 35%, you'll hit your pain threshold at some point. I don't know where that is. It might be 25 for one person, 35 for another, or 40 for another. But at some point, you'll hit your pain threshold, and, and, and you'll panic, and you won't be able to hold. So it's also about quality of life and, 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 and time. So even if you're matching the market, or even if you're 1% or 2% behind the market, but you've never had a bear market, you've never had huge drawdowns, 30%, that's, that, that is absolutely worth it, folks. So you got to have rules because you don't know how long it's going to take to recover. Don is right. We are right now in a primary uptrend in the market. The leading stocks are leading. That's where you want to be focused in. Now, with that caveat, when these leading stocks start to finally top and sell off, You're going to have to have some kind of exit strategy because leading stocks, like Don said, on average sell off 72% from the high. Tesla in 2022 sold off 69%, 3% within that average. Okay. So when these leading stocks start giving up the ghost, you'll see a big swoosh and it will be rapid. So what is your plan for when the big, big mega caps start to not to stop this rally. When, what, what happens when they go in correction? What is, is your sell discipline? You should ask your advisor. We can articulate ours. Don can give you multiple rules that would make us sell. All right. Uh, all right, Don, go ahead. Hey, Dan, I mean because, without,
0: because without rules, you could go dramatically lower in your
1: account. <laughs> all right, dramatically. I'm going to have to put that in the show notes. I mean, you, in the- You, in the, you in, absolutely in the, do. Dramatically. But listen, do spell, I, I do. How, want to how show, do you spell that, Don? How do you spell that? <laughs> i teasing. I got it. D R A M A S T
0: I C A L L Y, of course.
1: Two L's, two L's. Okay, just check it.
0: Okay, but listen, I do want to show this one chart that is somewhat worrying, and it's a household name. Everybody owns it Apple. If this breaks below this 180 and 180 has been rock January, mid January. Uh, late January, uh, mid-February, and now late February, if Apple breaks below 180, look at how terrible the relative strength line has been on Apple. If Apple breaks below 180, I hate predicting, you know that, uh, but that may be what puts a pause on this uptrend because of the large, at least on the indexes, because of the large impact that it has in the NASDAQ 100 and the S&P 500. Leading stocks can continue to act great and not feel an impact in any way, shape or form in this, but the money is flowing into tech names that have a big AI component to them. And right thus far, Apple has not been able to demonstrate that they've got uh, anything that's gonna be value added area. Two days ago that stock was breaking 180, they put out an announcement saying we're scuttling our EV car, which they've been working on for 10 years, wasting billions (laughs) of dollars on. So they're no longer making an an EV car and they're transforming uh, that money and that personnel into uh, AI initiatives. So the market is saying, show me right now in Apple. What you can do with the relative strength being as weak as it is while the indexes are at near highs i mean it's down much you know it's down 10 percent, but from a relative basis uh it looks terrible and if it breaks 180 and and can't hold it the impact on the nasdaq 100 and the s p 500 could cause the the indexes to go sideways to down at least in the short term Uh, unless something else picks up the baton and starts carrying it. And really, you're also seeing weakness on Google uh, with the horrific uh, performance of its uh, AI video product that they put out last week. They're being widely uh, scorned for, (laughs) I I don't even really want to get into that, but breaking the 50-day average, holding on to the 200-day moving average, another one where the relative strength has been terrible. But uh, Microsoft, of of the big seven, Microsoft's been acting, uh, holding up fine. Uh, No real issues there. Mild underperformance on a relative strength basis. NVIDIA just keeps rocking. Uh, Tesla has been weak, but is trying to get above and hold that 200 level. Uh, It's been battling with that for the last two weeks. It's back above the 21-day moving average. That's getting back above there is the first thing that needs to happen before you start getting uh, above the intermediate-term 50-day or the long-term 200-day moving average. Amazon, uh, we'll just cover them all, is acting great, up near all-time highs, Uh, and they're one that says that they've been investing in their data centers uh in a, a lot of ai to help them push products out more and also to support people that are hosting on their amazon web services um i think that's all of them that i covered i showed nvidia
1: okay um, or did don I? I got something but, uh, folks real, real quick sorry folks it is 11:23 central time central standard time and about three Minutes, four minutes ago, while Don was talking, Ted, uh, Ted, Teddy Bull just texted and said, 65 minute chart of AMD breakout retest and a quick bounce, meaning it it it, it tested it tested and then it pulled. Let me ask you a question. Is your advisor watching the markets that closely? Just saying. Go ahead, Don.
0: Ted's right. And in fact, across (laughs) the board, we added to AMD today uh, in the shop. Here's that perfect pullback to 184. Look at the breakout level here. 184. We got above it this morning. We added to it. It pulled back. Where did it stop going down? 184. And now it's trying to make new highs. Uh, AMD is right there with NVIDIA. Uh, as far as providing AI chips to all these companies that need them to, do, to handle all this uh, processing power for artificial intelligence, up 7%. Heavy volume on the day. Uh, everything that you would look, want to look for. Ted's been talking about how a, he's been salivating over AMD for a couple of weeks while it was uh, consolidating here after this big move up that it made. But you can see relative strength line also confirming this uptrend. Um, just good stuff here. That's, that that's looks, what we do over d- on a daily d- d- basis.
1: That looks distinctly different than Apple, and its RS yeah, it really rating does is yep. 96 versus 46. So AMD is yep. better than 96% of all the stocks on the—it's New York, right? Relative strength measure against the New York or just all the stocks?
0: It's everything. It's okay, the entire uh, okay. The entire universe.
1: So that's the entire stock market, folks. But if you're really going to st- start against against big cap, because you really got to compare them against, you can't compare them against the little penny stock. It's probably even a little higher than 96. But anyway, 96 is an extremely high number. 46 for Apple, that's pretty bad. That means it's doing worse than more than half of the stocks in, in the market. All right, Don.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's turn it over now to the guys for their presentations. Ted, you want to go ahead and go first?
2: Yeah, sure. Just so wanted to do a quick update on Bitcoin. I talked about Bitcoin um, maybe a few shows ago. Just want to walk through our our thought process with why we made a fifty percent trim yesterday. And so on the top left, I have the Bitcoin chart, and then the bottom right is what is the instrument that we use in equities, the IBIT uh, ETF. And so we initially took a position at 25 on the breakout and that coincided with 55,000 on Bitcoin. And immediately that showed a profit from the start. And that consolidated extremely well, put in a very nice tight flag. And then recently in the last three days, we saw a huge range expansion. And yesterday we got above 10 ATR above the 50 day. And so that is something I look at and the team looks at when we get above 8 ATR, above the 50-day, that's kind of an exhaustion-type area, and that's where we look for some trims. It doesn't mean we just let loose an entire position because it can definitely go higher and we want to stay in that trend, but these are usually areas where we look for a, a trim, and that is what we did yesterday. And also, if you remember on a previous show, I talked about the SMCI Climax Top, and one indicator I looked at was the largest daily candle since the start of the move on the largest daily volume. And that is exactly what happened with Bitcoin yesterday. And so it, it's just really interesting that these patterns, these in these signs of exhaustion show up in Bitcoin and crypto, it would show up in commodities. Um, so, entities, did, so did
1: you sell half of well. Bitcoin? Did you sell half? How, yeah, what, what, Don,
2: okay. yeah.
1: Okay. I, just I sold to half, yeah.
2: Connor sold half, yeah. We all sold half yesterday. So, and we, we timed it pretty well. Obviously we're not trying to nail the highs, but making our best decisions in real time and it's pretty good sell so far bitcoin is still acting very strong today as you can see but it's nice to take some off the table and then i haven't talked about breath in like six weeks so i just wanted to quickly do an update on the net new highs and lows the nizzy nazi and then the cnn fear and greed i didn't include the aaii and the, the money managers numbers because it updates today and since we're doing the show early i didn't want to send. I didn't want to share data, a one-week-old yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's really no point in doing that. As you can see, this recent period, um, December through present time, and the New York Stock Exchange, pretty much all, all net highs, which is definitely a clear character change from the bear market on the left side of the chart. And same with the NASDAQ, even though the readings are a little bit weaker, we still sustain this net high period. And that's, that is exactly what we want to see in the uptrend. Just means that stocks are actually pushing the, dragging the uh the entire market up and stocks are making new highs if you can go to the nizzy nazi don we made a huge move up from november and then we pulled back and usually when when the nizzy nazi breaks the 10-day simple moving average we'll start being a little bit cautious but this time around the leaders held up really well and right now we're we're kind of like as you can see we're kind of rounding around a cup even on these indicators obviously traditional technicals are not really kind of applying the same analysis, but in a way you can apply um, kind of patterns to these as well. And we're forming this little flat narrow channel here. I would call it a low cheat or a cheat. And if we break out, breath could definitely expand up again. And we've seen IWM, mid caps, equal weighted S&P, RSP kind of come into gear and show some relative strength. So that's definitely something I'm watching. And then finally, Last time I talked about breath, I talked about us being extreme greed. We're back in extreme greed, but I think this is more of an indication of how strong the market is. If a market can stay overbought for a pers- persistent period of time and in this extreme greed area, that, is, that could be a hint um, or foreshadowing that a very, very strong uptrend will likely take place even after the inevitable correction that we might face. And a pullback and correction at this point would be definitely very healthy provide some of these leaders some time to go sideways and then an opportunity
0: for us to get back on board. Good stuff, Ted. Appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Connor now, who's uh got some interesting uh going to he's got first of all a chart and then some uh individual names we're going to look at.
3: Yeah, um yeah, I wanted to talk about biotech today and Don's got a chart of the XBI right there so this is the weekly chart and just gonna kind of like walk through and like what I'm looking at on this chart. Um, for the past two years it's been going sideways and that um, that 60-65 level has been the bottom of the range and when you look at it it's held nearly five, four or five times and During the bear market, it was every time it would come down to there, it bounced, and then it would get up into that 90 to 100 area, which was the upper end of the range, and it would just get rejected every time. This week, major character change. And why is that? Well, that's because it's breaking above 90, and it's getting back above that anchored view out from all-time highs. like throughout the past like couple months on the show, like you guys have probably heard me mention these anchored VWAP from all time highs quite a bit, but like I-, I did a pretty big deep dive, and these are just fantastic turning points for when something's been in a prolonged downtrend. Um, you know, the S and P respected that COVID low anchored VWAP, great, and all these gross stocks that got crushed in the bear market 40, 60%. They really started to run once they got over their anchored view from all time high. And I mean, some of these stocks were below it for over two years, XBI was as well. Um, so getting above that's a key, key point. And from a stage analysis perspective, this is a breaking out of a stage one base into stage two. And we always wanna be, <clears throat> involved with stocks when when they're in a stage two uptrend because history shows stocks always make the biggest biggest moves when they're in a stage two um so this is good it's it's pulling back today but that's normal after breaking out as long as it can hold above that pivot and anchored view up. and don if you just pull up some some charts on market smith And when we look at individual um, biotech charts, if you pull up a chart of VKTX, yep, this is not something you know we're ever really gonna buy. There's just too much risk, but we're still gonna watch the action of biotech stocks to give us a general gauge, like are people buying speculative biotech stocks? And sure as heck, this had some GLP-1 data, massive move, pulling back today. But nevertheless, like people are buying these gaps. It had a day two higher high. It's pulling back now, but that's good to see. Um, Another ticker is CRSP. This is another gene editing um, CRISPR stock. And this is this broke out of a really nice like cut base and it's holding up well. Another sign that people are buying biotech stocks. Relative strength line looks awesome above the 200 day. And then another one is Vera, never buy this at Revere, but we still, like I said, we like to look at these and these are indicative of money flowing into biotech. And, you know, if, as you know, like we, we, had, <clears throat> we had a trade in Labu in the shop and that ETF moves fantastic. It's got an 8% um, average daily range. So you're not sacrificing alpha trading the 3X ETF for biotech. And, on that breakout the move was 12 to 15 percent which which is great and you don't have to worry about like fda bombs and other stuff with these biotechs and no no single no single stock
1: no hang on no single stock risk is what you're saying
3: exactly right um and then yeah three drivers that i think is driving the space there's some major m&a deals that have been taking place um with AI, biotech has a lot of applications for the use of AI, so that's helping a lot of these companies. And given it's been in a range for two to three years, not a lot of people like biotech, and the sentiment's pretty washed, and maybe it catches some people off guard. Um, so definitely an exciting breakout, and we'll have to watch it moving forward. I'd,
1: I'd like to jump in real quick. I just want to say one thing. So, folks, wh- One thing I I, I want to make sure that that didn't kind of go over, that everybody caught that. So what he's saying is like these biotechs, they're extremely volatile. And especially if they don't, if they're trying to get FDA approved for the next drug, if they're at, you know, you got trial phase one, two and three. And if they if the FDA just puts it off for one more quarter, oh, we want that thing will drop 50 percent. It'll just or. 80, it'll just get crushed. And so individual stocks have individual stock risk. So if you really like a few biotech stocks and that sector is heating up, you have actually less risk. This is counterintuitive. You have less risk managing a triple leveraged ETF than you do buying an individual biotech stock name. Kind of likewise, when Don is looking at stocks for Grotection protection portfolio he he wants an expectation of that stock to kind of that leading stock to make double what the what uh, the s p would make because if it doesn 't instead of buying a four per five percent position in that stock, he could just buy a two and a half percent position. Of SSO a double S and P, which is a five percent, you know, or I'm sorry, a five percent SSO position, and get that same expectation, but with no individual stock risk, just market risk. He's got diversification. So sometimes ETFs are superior to stocks, depending on the strategy. Uncle Tony's going to hate that one, but that's just the truth. So anyway, sorry. All right, back to you, Connor. Unless you're done
0: under the right under the right market never hold it if it starts breaking moving averages
1: oh yeah yeah like, well like this, yes, this, yes, yeah, yeah.
0: This broke out of a flat base. If this comes into, we in fact, we booked uh, 18, 19% gains on half of this when it made its big run, because again, back to the ATRs that Ted mentioned, it just got too extended. We're expecting a pullback. We're getting that pullback today. It's a normal pullback, but if it pulls back into the base, that makes it a failed breakout and we'll get rid of the rest of the, the position. We are not uh, ideologues that are going to hold on to something and ride it down.
1: That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Connor, is that, is that, do you have anything else? That's it? That's it? All right. Well, listen, folks, I I hope, I hope you got a plenty of red meat today. We gave you lots of market data. Yours truly will be flying down the mountain next week at Mach 4, actually Mach 8, but who's counting? Uh, and so the guys are, are, are in charge. Uh, I, I'm leaving the inmates to run the asylum. It's kind of a scary thought. There most likely will be a show next week. The guys will talk about it and see if they want to do it. That's more than fine. Uh, uh, and I think it probably will be even a little bit more market-centric than this show. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that anyway folks listen if you like what you heard please tell a friend tell a neighbor just send them to revereasset.com up in the right hand corner there's a subscribe button and they can put in their email address and their name and this podcast will go directly to their inbox as well as don's Daily Market, Tomorrow's Insights is Daily Market Insight videos every time the market's open. And next to that is a contact button. It'll send me an email directly. You can ask about a stock you want to discuss or a topic, or you just want a portfolio complimentary portfolio review. You can also always call us, well, you can email me directly at dan at revereasset.com, Don, Connor, or Ted at revereasset.com, and you can always, 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 Call us old school at eight five five Real Wealth, folks. We will talk to you next week on your money, not their money, your money.
0: Because it's not about how much you make in the market; it's about how much of that you can keep. Do not let your account go dramatically lower. <laughs> <laughs>